It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome the Environment Secretary, George Eustace, to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I know where there are issues that you want to talk about under your remit for the environment, but obviously lots of concern today about the latest coronavirus figures. Uh, UK death toll hitting 60,000 uh, UK wide. 367 deaths reported yesterday. Always an uptick on a Tuesday, as we know, with lots of those weekend deaths reported. But now we're told that Downing Street are looking at a second wave more deadly than first and that Sage has advised a second lockdown. Are we going to be in lockdown before Christmas? Well, we don't think at the moment that there's a case for a lockdown. We've always been clear that we don't rule anything out. We keep options open. But parts of the country at the moment have a very low incidence of the disease. And uh, a lockdown's not justified. If you look at Cornwall or many other parts of the southeast, the incidence of the virus has remained quite low. So we think the approach we've got at the moment, which is observing all parts of the country to, to uh, go by the rule of six and not to meet in large gatherings, but then escalating interventions for those that have got the greatest incidence is the right approach. It's more targeted. It's a, a regional and city-based approach. And we think it's the, the appropriate action to take to balance uh, the importance of keeping our economy going and having regard for people's uh, well-being and mental health with the imperative of uh, checking the spread of the virus. But there is ongoing pressure from SAGE. It's very easy for those whose only concern is the number of COVID deaths, not the number of deaths from, uh, uh, we're seeing excess deaths at the moment, not from COVID, but from uh, uh, from people dying from other untreated diseases because of the focus on COVID. But also there's people who aren't have to, don't have to be concerned about the long-term effects mentally, physically and economically of a lockdown. Uh, do you think the pressure eventually is going to get to the government and as other countries, France, looking at a second lockdown, uh, Italy, Spain and others, as that happens, that actually we are going to inevitably end up going from tier one to tier two to tier three across the country. We're all in tier three and eventually we will be in a second lockdown. Well, um, I think the, the point is the government's got to strike a balance and make the right judgment uh, with the evidence it's got before it. And the truth is that SAGE uh, did a report and uh, had a meeting back in September they set out a this so-called circuit breaker, a mini short-term lockdown, as one option, but they were clear it was only one option, that, that the impacts of it um, 
couldn't be guaranteed because it would only be for short term for two weeks and that there might therefore be a need to extend it even further. They also pointed out that there could be mortality from um, you know deaths by other causes and issues with people's mental health and the economy. So they themselves recognize that this is a difficult balance to strike. They set out a range of options and we followed some of those options. It's the policy that we've outlined with these uh, three different levels of intervention. Can we talk about this letter from the uh, Red Wall rebels, the 55 Northern MPs, the Tory MPs who've, uh, from the Northern Research Group uh, who wrote to the Prime Minister, a letter that was leaked uh, to the papers yesterday. Um, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, said he shares their frustrations, but they were saying we need a roadmap out. We need an exit strategy. Can you tell me, we know what the what the rules are effectively for, for moving from Tier 1 to Tier 2 to Tier 3. Um, we've seen an awful lot of the north of the country move into Tier 3. What are the rules for exiting? How will, how will any part of the country, Greater Manchester, Liverpool, wherever, how will they leave Tier 3 to go back to Tier 2? How will London leave Tier 2 and go back to Tier 1? What, what are, the, what are the, uh, the signals? What are the, what are the, what's the data that's going to push us back down a tier? Well, look, we, we've not set out sort of fixed points. Uh, Why not? Because I, I don't think that's the right way to do it because you will always have to have an element of a, a subjective decision about... Um, not just the prevalence of uh, the virus, uh, but also whether there are particular environments where it's prone to spreading. But broadly speaking, uh, they will move back down to the tier one, if you like, once the conditions are similar to tier one. And, uh, you know, they're not there yet. And they will move up to the, the very high risk tier three uh, when the, the conditions require it. And that's why yesterday Warrington was added with an agreement with local leaders there and why this discussion uh, with Nottingham that's ongoing because they're probably also needing, needing to go into that very high risk category. I mean, I think we've got the right approach, which is a, a targeted one um, where we have the appropriate uh, level of intervention that um, correlates really to the prevalence of the virus. Um, there's a big concern about Christmas Day. Victoria Derbyshire was forced to backtrack and apologise uh, for saying that this is the BBC presenter that she was planning to have uh, seven people for uh, Christmas lunch, Christmas Day, so she didn't leave out uh, elderly members of her family and would break the rule of six. Um, police and Crime Commissioner for West Midlands, David Jameson, has said that police officers will be sent to break up family dinners if they breach uh, the rules. Uh, currently, of course, in Greater Manchester and, and West Midlands and elsewhere, you know, a lot of places not actually allowed to have household gatherings indoor at all forget the rule of six not allowed to have grandparents over or or aunts or uncles um do do you do you think that genuinely that the british people are going to put up with that on christmas day well look let's hope it doesn't come to that uh, the prime minister hope is that what we do in this free and democratic society we just hope that we don't have the police barging in our doors breaking us uh, breaking up our christmas dinner with our grandparents is that is well, that how we're living now the point i was um, i was going to, to make here is these uh, extraordinary measures that we're having to put in place are you know yes very draconian um, but they are emergency measures and they are short term measures and I think most people understand uh, why what's being done needs to be done. But the Prime Minister has been clear. He wants people to be able to enjoy a family Christmas in a way that's as close to possible as normal. It's too early, you'll appreciate, for us to be able to say yet exactly uh, what restrictions will be pertaining in different parts of the country at that time. It's a fast developing situation. Uh, we're responding uh, you know, almost day by day, week by week. Uh, to an emerging picture uh, with the spread of the virus. But we, our aim is that people will be able to enjoy a family Christmas as, as close to possible as normal. Now, whether that will be able to be very large gatherings with all of the cousins and uh, you know, 20 or so coming over to a house, whether that will be possible, 
Uh, well, perhaps it won't be, but people can still enjoy a family Christmas and that's what we want to be able to support. But, but this is the thing, you and I know that the rule of six won't apply on Christmas Day because everyone will make a mockery of that and you don't want scenes of police officers banging down doors. So you're going to relax the rule by, in time for Christmas Day um, because for, extraordinarily the virus can has its own calendar and doesn't kill grannies on Christmas Day but does on, say, the 23rd of December. Do you understand why a lot of people think this is nonsense? Well, look, I do understand that when you uh, introduce, as we've had to, uh, emergency measures of this sort, uh, that, that are uh, a major infringement on people's liberty. There's no doubt about that. We don't pretend otherwise. But they're necessary to try to manage the spread of the virus. I do understand, of course, why people will get frustrated uh, by that. And as time goes on, um, they will um, you know, find that harder and harder to accept. Um, that's why we, we've got to find a way out of this. That's why the work on vaccines and so forth is so important so that we can get a solution to this virus and then move back to living our lives in a normal way. OK, and uh, we obviously we saw this uh, on another topic entirely, these horrific deaths of, uh, of two adults, two children, possibly a baby as well, also died in this migrant crossing. Um, who's to blame for those deaths? Well, look, it's a terrible tragedy. And I know that the authorities in France, in Dunkirk, have... Uh, you know, started an investigation and doing further work in this area. The people that are to blame for these uh, deaths are those callous gangs uh, that take money from vulnerable people uh, to send them on their way, trying to make a very dangerous crossing uh, across the channel. Those are the people that are to blame. We've made some 3,000 interventions, that's the French authorities and UK authorities, 3,000 interventions to stop uh, crosses by dinghies uh, of this sort this year. Uh, this is a, uh, a terrible problem, but these people are in safe countries. They're in France, they're in a safe country. There is no rationale for them to try to make that journey. They're being encouraged to do so uh, by these callous gangs, and those are the ones well, to they're not. They're not being encouraged to do so. There's a market because these people want to do it. Do you not think the parents who put their young children on a boat in rough seas in terrible conditions bear some responsibility? Well, um, in many cases, uh, they're probably um, not aware of the full dangers. Uh, And these gangs are basically promoting and selling a dream of getting to the UK to these people. And they're doing so in order to extort money from them and then put them in a dinghy and send them on their way. Uh, That is is what's so tragic. And uh, and those are the people that are to blame in this situation. Okay, just finally, George Eustace, as Environment Secretary, let's talk about your remit. And uh, you are are looking at uh, uh, getting sort of evidence on proposals for managing five of England's marine protected areas. Tell us about that. Yes, well, when we um, leave the European Union, we're able to do more in terms of putting in place protected areas, but also management measures for those areas. And we have around 40% of the waters, uh, our inshore waters are covered now by marine protected areas of some sort. But those that are further out um, and that are beyond 12 miles, we need to get the agreement of all the other affected EU countries before we can introduce measures. And that's been a particular bone of contention, for instance, around places like the Dogger Bank uh, in the North Sea, which is a a very valuable marine uh, ecosystem but where we've never been able to get other EU countries to agree a sensible package of measures. Uh, Once we leave the EU, we've got powers in the Fisheries Bill that means we can unilaterally take action to protect these areas. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Joined now by the Greater Manchester Mayor, former Labour Health Secretary, of course, Andy Burnham. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. We've just been speaking to the uh, Environment Secretary, George Eustace, and I was asking him about all these different tiers. Lots of talk about uh, uh, the whole country ending up in tier three or possibly in a national lockdown. And uh, I asked him uh, what's, what the actual point was when you could actually exit a particular tier. You know, you, you've gone into tier three. What is the point of you know, the data, the infections, the deaths, where you can come out and move to tier two, down to tier one? And the government has not agreed or decided on any of that data. Has anyone told you at the point at which infections reach a certain level or deaths at a certain level, that Greater Manchester will come out of your tier? No, they haven't, Julia, and that's the fear about it, that we end up trapped in Tier 3 or Tier 4, which they're now talking about for the whole of the winter. And we think that could do severe damage to people's jobs, uh, businesses, but not actually bring the cases down in the way that the government claim. And this is what we heard in our negotiations when we spoke to the experts, that Chief Scientific Advisor, Deputy Chief Medical Officer, all of them casting doubt on whether the tier system will actually work. And I think this is a bit of a point of decision for the government. Do they carry on with this approach or do we actually sort of look at something that might work, which is obviously a national circuit break? Now, nobody wants to to think about that, but if it's going to cause more kind of benefit to the economy, if you like, by, by shortening the time that it's closed and, and do more for bringing down the cases, then clearly uh, it's something that shouldn't be ruled out. 
Um, I, I have to say, when you were fighting these battles with the Prime Minister, I was away on my holes last week, but cheering you on, thinking this is brilliant. We finally got a politician on the front line who's standing up to the government, pointing out that the, the infection rate and the death rate in their area doesn't justify these sort of local lockdown rules. Turns out you were just concerned about getting more money for businesses, a totally valiant you know, measure to protect your, your businesses in Greater Manchester. But how can you be opposed to Tier 3, but you think that a national lockdown is a good idea. This is the bit I don't get. Well, it's what the experts say, Julia. They which said ex- to which us, experts? The Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Jonathan Bantam, said to us that uh, there were doubts about whether Tier 3 would actually work mm. because he said, and I think the Chief Medical Officer has said something similar, you have to close lots of things if it is to create the, the, um, the, the break <clears throat> and then the drop in cases. And he was saying that he didn't think that possibly that was going to happen. So this is this is the point, isn't it? When you go down this regional route, you cause damage to the regional economies of England, uh, but you don't actually control the virus. And that is my point. I think we are going to be damaged by our time in tier three. I don't think we have got enough funding to prevent that damage to our jobs and our businesses. And I am not sure that it's going to produce the drop in cases. And that's my argument. OK, no, but hold, saying... no, hold on a minute. So you're saying that this causes damage. Undoubtedly, it does. I'm opposed to any second lockdown measures at all. But you're saying it doesn't control the virus. So how would putting, say, Devon and Cornwall with barely any cases of coronavirus and, or London with far fewer cases than, than you have? Why would why would them going into some lockdown measures for whatever period of time? Why would that control the virus? But the tier three measures wouldn't. Well, you could have made the same argument in reverse earlier in the year where London and the South had a lot more cases than, than the North. But we went into national lockdown because in the end, we're one country. And if the virus spreads in one part of the country, it will come uh, to other parts as well. It went up the country earlier this year and it will come back down the country if we allow it to continue to spread through the winter. So that's the argument for it, uh, Julia. And what we were told was uh, that a regional lockdown is not certain to work, but a national lockdown is certain to work. And... Those were just the facts that we, well, those were the opinions from the experts that we were presented with. And obviously, given the people they were coming from, the chief medical officer, the chief scientific advisor, you know, we found them persuasive. Should we listen to the World Health Organization who advise against national lockdowns? Well, you've got a real point, though, in casting doubt on lockdowns per se, because they're almost becoming here our first policy option, when in fact... All along, we should have had a properly working test and trace system. That should have been the first line of defence against the virus. The problem is we don't have that. Here we are months into this crisis and we have a system that isn't offering, is offering minimal defence against the virus to local uh, communities. And this has been pointed out regularly throughout this year, but I'm afraid it's still the case. So in that situation, when you don't have that first line of defence, you're only left with the sort of blanket sort of sledgehammer uh, options of of, um, of of regional or national lockdowns. And I think this is where we've got this wrong as a country. Other countries aren't having all of the lockdowns that cause so much damage, as you rightly say. Germany hasn't gone down this route because they have a properly... Uh, working test and trace system. Okay, let's also talk about a new campaign that's being launched today that you're very much a part of, the Unite Greater Manchester campaign, or called 1GM. Um, What's the uh, aim of this? Well, Julia, obviously we've had a difficult few weeks here with the concerns people have had about Tier 3, the effect on people's jobs and businesses. But what we want to do is kind of move things on, if you like, bring people back together uh, and have a more positive, unifying campaign over the winter 
to, to help people uh, and businesses that are going to be struggling. So all walks of Greater Manchester Life came together yesterday. Gary Neville, Julie Hesmond-Hals, the Bishop of Manchester, some just amazing people who uh, have got so much to offer. And what we're saying is we are all going to do as much as we can to help people on low wages who are struggling now because they're only on two thirds of those wages and the place of work is shut. People on uh, uh, low incomes who are self-employed, so people uh, you know, working in the taxi trade or other areas, but also businesses that are now very close, um, close to the brink because of what's happened. And we've got an offer from our business community to, to step in and help as well. So it was in difficult times, a really uplifting event. And I think we're going to have to face what is a difficult winter with this level of of, um, of solidarity, to be honest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think everyone listening will be very much in favour of that. Uh, where are you in terms of solidarity with hungry children? The government is under a lot of pressure uh, about the free school meals uh, demands of vouchers from the likes of the millionaire footballer Marcus Rashford, who has, uh, who has really, I mean, brought the country uh, together behind him uh, about this. The government is saying they're not going to U-turn. They say that they've given plenty of money. Local councils like your council in Greater Manchester will have been given money uh, to feed children during the school holidays. Um, do you think the government has done enough or do you think they should do more? No, I, they need to do more, Julia. So they point to this money that they've given to councils, but that ran out uh, early October. So I don't know why they keep pointing to that. I mean, it was good that they gave that, but there isn't money now for this half term. So what we're seeing is businesses and councils, my own organisations working with the co-op, to give people, um, uh, kids, access to a card that they can use to go into a store and get a simple meal. So, you know, people are doing lots of things, but the trouble with uh, just relying on voluntary action is that some kids will get missed in that situation. And I just think the government needs to rethink this one. You know, we're in a national crisis. It's not normal times. Kids have got to be fed at a time like this. And I think the country feels that as well. So, you know, you get the sense that the MPs on the government side are not happy. Why not? Why don't they just put their hands up and say that they've got this one wrong? You know, Marcus Rashford, the power of the campaign he's leading is undeniable. Everyone is behind it. The whole country's behind it. And if the government gets behind it as well, that's one issue we can stop worrying about, given that we've got so many other things on our plate. Uh, heading into um, um, November and December. Is it worth pointing out that Marcus Rashford, one of the reasons why he feels so strongly about this is because he grew up as the child of a, a single mum who worked you know, every hour, God sends, to try and put food on the table, but they still on occasion went hungry. Um, but um, he did that at a time when, by the way, there was a Labour government in power for pretty much the entire time that he said he went hungry as a child. Uh, do you think that the Labour Party has covered itself in glory in terms of how it has handled this measure over the years? It did a lot to lift children out of poverty, but no, I've often been a critic of um, of the government that I was in. I don't think they did enough uh, to relieve poverty on, on a long-term basis in the north of England, but they did a lot of good things. Uh, and, you know, I'm quite proud of that, but I think that also there's more that could have been done and, and more that should be done now. And I think this is something that's really important to say, uh, Julia, about this debate, because you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, it creates dependency on benefits. The point is, many people, like Marcus and, and his mum, they were w working but not earning enough to feed kids. And I think this has got worse in the last decade. We've got a lot of people now who are in work, but they don't earn enough to be able to, to put food on the table because of the cost of their rent and all, all of the other things. And that is the reality for a lot of working people in Britain. So it's not so much about people wanting dependency on benefits. It's actually an issue about pay, in my view, okay. and everyone earning 
a decent living wage so that they, they can afford to feed their kids. And sadly, we've allowed a situation to develop in this country where there are a lot of people who do kind of really difficult jobs but still don't earn enough to cover the family uh, bills. And that, for me, isn't, isn't, isn't right. So while, yes, we should have the sticking plaster, if you like, of government support throughout Christmas, and the quicker they U-turn on that, the better, I think we need a bigger debate coming out of this about fairness in our society and the gap between those at the very bottom and some of the excessive salaries earned by those at the top. We need to close that gap, make sure everyone earns enough to feed their kids. Okay. It's quite simple. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Studies from Imperial College London, uh, which looked at the level of protective antibodies uh, that people have after having the virus. And they found that in people, they wane quite rapidly after infection. And as of course, antibodies are a key part of our immune defences. Is this a big concern for us developing herd immunity? Well, let's talk to Professor Paul Elliott. He's chair in epidemiology and public health medicine and director of the REACT2 study at Imperial College London. Good morning, Shippel. Good morning. Um, lots of people are saying that this evidence uh, is, is, you know, the, the deal breaker. We're not going to get to uh, um, any sort of herd immunity naturally with people, more and more people having had the virus, keep getting that antibody uh, immunity. Um, is that true? Uh, basically, yes. Uh, we, in our study, which is a very large study, over 360,000 people, um, we had three ways of uh, looking at uh, the antibody response of uh, members of the general public uh, selected uh, randomly uh, who were sent a what's called a lateral flow device so they did a finger prick test and then tested whether they uh, were positive for antibodies or not and what we found is that uh, in in June reflecting the uh, the peak of the epidemic in March and April we saw that on average six percent of people were testing positive but that dropped to 4.4% by September, a 25% or more reduction. And that means that over 95% of people uh, in September are not testing positive for antibodies. So the idea that we can have natural immunity and have uh, uh, you know, herd protection or population protection from natural infection uh, just doesn't hold hold water. Well, but but we, what about, we, we what about all the experts pointing out the T-cell immunity and that there's vast swathes of population um, who, who actually just have natural immunity as a result of having encountered other coronaviruses, very similar viruses in the past, and that they and, and they therefore don't uh, don't ever develop the antibodies. I mean, for instance, in my family, pretty much the whole family caught the virus at the same time in March, uh, uh, the super spreader being a member of the family. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I developed antibodies. I've tested positive for antibodies, but uh, my husband and daughter have not, but they were much less sick than I was. Uh, it may well be they've got T-cell immunity. Why are we not looking at that? So T-cell immunity is very, very important. The whole of the immune system obviously works in tandem. It's actually very complex, yeah. but the so-called humoral Im immunity or antibodies is an important part of that. And we know, um, actually we did some tests within our own study because the lateral flow device gives you a qualitative answer, yes, no, do you mm -hmm. test positive for antibodies? And uh, at the level that the, it tests positive, um, it correlates with neutralizing antibodies, which are the the ones that protect you from the virus getting into cells. Yeah. So it's it is a complex picture. T cell immunity is important, but um, to be, to be honest, the sort of whole immune response um, tends to correlate also with antibody levels. So we do need to know a lot more about how the T cell 
work uh, immunity works in tandem with this virus. It's a new virus, so we need we need to understand. Well, it's a new virus, it's, but it's 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 coronaviruses have been around for a very long time. It's a new version, effectively, of a, of a virus we're 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 fairly familiar with. So, and we know how they work, don't we? I mean, and and we're not all. I mean, we, we, we're not all dying of SARS or MERS or swine flu and the like of things. We clearly, you know, we don't have a vaccine for most of those. So so how is it that we're not all dying from them if we haven't got some level of immunity? SARS and MERS were, were very dangerous viruses and they, they did um, they, they did have a high mortality rate. That's irrelevant. What's the point? We, 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 yeah, we're not all dead, though, you, are we? You're mentioning those viruses. So we, we, let's just focus on, on the virus in hand that causes... No, COVID. no, 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 no. It's relevant. My point is, you were saying we, we, don't, we don't have a vaccine for those. We, people probably don't have uh, antibodies for those viruses. And yet we're not all dead from those viruses. Those viruses went round the world and we didn't see hundreds and hundreds of thousands or millions and millions of deaths. People, Why not? Die, people did die from those viruses. I didn't and, say people and, didn't die from they, those viruses. It was contained um, more. It didn't go around the world in the way. It did that go around the world. Not okay. Not as much as this, but but we didn't see millions. So of here millions we have of a deaths. pandemic of a, a novel virus, which is a dangerous virus, and it's causing, like SARS and MERS, yes, and, and which is causing a lot of people to go into hospital and a lot of people yes. to die. Could you address the point I asked you, with all due respect? Sorry, what what is the point? My point is, how can we not have developed some sort of immunity? We developed immunity to other coronaviruses. Clearly, otherwise, we'd all be dead now. Well, the coronaviruses cause a common cold. We have we we have um, immunity, but 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 we get re- recatch the common cold, so we have transient immunity. What we're showing in our study is that the antibody levels mm. uh, to the first wave of the epidemic uh, have dropped in the population. But I understand that. I'm asking so you about T cells. The, the amount of immunity from antibodies that that component of, of immunity has dropped, and the only way we're going to protect the the whole population is, is, is very simple. Two measures. One is to use the public health measures, which are really, really important while we wait for a vaccine. And that means that we have to pay attention to the message about social distancing. Yeah. Extremely important. Um, hand washing and face covers where, where needed. Yeah. And that's how we're going to deal with this over the next period. You just have no intention with, of answering my with, questions then, do you? Sorry? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Professor, with all due intention, I'm asking you a really simple question. I mean, so, yeah. Professor, I'm not, I'm not an expert. You're an expert. But I yeah. don't pretend to be an expert. But Professor Sunitra yeah. Gupta, Professor at Oxford University, an epidemiologist yeah. with expertise in immunology, vaccine development and mathematical modelling of infectious diseases. She, mm-hmm. along with Carl Hennigan, uh, Professor of uh, Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford University and many others, saying, well, it can't just be antibodies. It, there's T-cell immunity. This is widely accepted accepted among experts in yeah. your field. Yes. Why, why is, is it not possible that a lot of people in this country and around the world have actually okay. got, already developed some level of immunity okay. through T-cells, not Ju- just Julia, antibodies? Julia, can I spell it out in, in words of one syllable? There is T-cell immunity, but uh-huh. we are in the middle of a pandemic. And at the moment, so we're doing another study called REACT-1, which is looking at the spread of the virus in the population. Yeah. The virus is spreading everywhere in this country. It's going up. And despite whatever immunity levels there might be, the facts are that the virus is the R value is still above one and the virus is continuing to spread at an alarming rate through the population, not only in young people, but right across the age range to the vulnerable people at older ages. So just just looking at the facts, we are not being protected from this virus. Well, apart from the fact that we're not all dying at the same rate. And can you just finally, can you explain Sweden then? What's happening in Sweden? So what's happening in Sweden is that the the infection rate is going up. 
How many deaths are they having per day? Uh, I'm afraid I, I can't can tell, tell you the happen. figure. It's two. Two people well, are die. A, t- a population of 10 million and two people a not, day die. I, I don't particularly want to comment on Sweden. I'm going to comment on what's happening. Oh, no, 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 but it is relevant. How on earth are people, given that we've not got these lockdown and tier measures on all the things that are suggested by SAGE and others in Sweden, and they're living largely free lives, not wearing masks, social distancing, yes, some people working from home, but going to bars and restaurants, living their lives relatively freely, and yet two people a day are dying. Yes, it's going up slightly because, of course, it's it's autumn. We know this is a respiratory illness. How do you explain that? In the context of we all we can all possibly die from this virus because we haven't got antibodies. So the situation in Sweden is different. The population density is different. The culture is different in the in the UK, in England, which is what we're measuring. uh, The rates are going up. Uh, More people are going to hospital and more people are dying. Yes. And, and, And if they continue to go up more, yet more people go into hospital and yet more people die. What we have to do is control this virus. We have to turn the R value down and we have to. Um, and, and, and the fact of, you know, are we all immune? No, we're not all immune. No one said we were all immune. We can, no one said that. Because we can that. see that the virus is continuing to rise and we have to do something to address that. What we can do is public health measures until we get a vaccine. I, I just find it absolutely extraordinary that someone as eminent and knowledgeable about this as you refuses to accept that your explanation does not explain why in Sweden people can live a normal life and only two people a day are dying from this virus. If what you were saying is the case and people do not have any T-cell immunity and, and there's no way of creating herd immunity in this sort of way, um, then they would be di- there'll be body bags all over the streets of Stockholm and there aren't. So the rates of, of infection in Sweden are higher than amongst their, their uh, Scandinavian neighbours. So Sweden is a very interesting case. They, they've taken a slightly different route, but, but at the end of the day, they do socially distance. They uh, are taking care. And, um, uh, you know, Sweden is, uh, you know, have have their own issues to deal with in in England and in the UK. I come back to the fact that the rate, the rates of the virus. I know you could give a, continuing yeah. to increase. We know that they do that every autumn. It's respiratory disease and every respiratory disease, the death rates and the infection rates go up every autumn. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.